What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Episode of the King's Pulse podcast. I am Brendan Nunez, and I have Rich Ivanowski with me here today as well. How you doing, Rich? I'm doing good, brother. But uh, it sounds like you're a little under the weather. A little bit. You can hear it. You know, I always wanted a deeper voice, so I'm good with this if it stakes around. And we got one other guest on here today from STR as well, and that is Robbie. How you doing, Robbie? I am fantastic. I am the uh, my the distinction of being, I think, the only. STR pseudo well. I mean, I'm very, very, very deep in the well. I'm sort of, I wouldn't say I'm the troll in the well because there are definitely trolls on STR. Um, but I am uh, like the one member of sort of the STR group that has like three digits worth of Twitter followers. Which look, as, as I think we were discussing before we got onto the call, I'm 39 years old. I'm sort of at this point the senior citizen of the group. So the fact that I can get on Twitter alone feels like something of a small miracle. So I will take the uh, the uh, 500 or whatever it is followers. Um, so it's a pleasure to be here, guys. Thank you very much for having me. I, I didn't want to uh, bury the lead. And I think, Rich, are you getting married this weekend? Okay, so let's uh, – I'll, I'll break it down. I got a crazy week okay. actually ahead of me. Yes, yes, yes. So, let's, so I just want to say I'm really impressed by your commitment to uh, King's content that, A, you're doing this call, and, B, you're doing this – podcast rather i'm calling it but and b you're doing this with of all people me with everything that you've had happen to you and have going on going forward so salute Devin, you also because you're sick so i don't want to shortchange you <laughs> but um rich being the man of the hour we're focusing on rich for the moment i'm surprised that he didn't get too big of a head that he's still on this podcast i thought oh, that rich I know, might disappear <laughs> yeah good That's morning a, sacramento so, over here bro this podcast oh my god this you just have to start everything. negotiating his uh, podcast appearances with his agent. Yeah, exactly. You saw me barrel the camera over at the, at the CW, just like, hey, King's Pulse, check it out. Come on, y'all. Yeah. You were great on camera. I, I couldn't figure out if he thought you were Ivan initially or <laughs> that was just his affectionate nickname for you. Dude, everybody does that, especially yeah. any coaches I had in high school. I don't know what mm. it is about coaches, but they like – already don't care about you so like especially right. high school coaches so they're, they're just yeah, they got no you by your number yeah and yeah. they only see the back of your jersey or whatever yeah. uh right. by the way i was trash in high school but <laughs> but back to the matter at hand all right I'll, I'll break it down a little bit oh man i i gotta i have a really truly buck wild week coming up because tuesday okay so okay tuesday is uh i'm getting i'm doing my orientation at sac state and then okay. Wednesday is my birthday, and it's I fly out to Cabo at five in the morning the, that day, my birthday, the day after all that stuff with school, getting ready there. 
and then I'm in, getting married on Saturday. And like, it's so real right now, which is, I, it's, it's so real and it's so soon. And like, by the way, if like, there's one thing about this whole story that you should take away from it is that I was shopping for a suit like 10 days before the wedding. Like right. that's, that's where I'm at, you know? Right. Exactly. So does this help alleviate the, t- has there been tension? Like, I mean, I assume that there's just an inherent layer of tension going into Eddie, having never been married, going into Eddie and wedding. I feel like there's maybe just a little layer, not like bridezilla, groomzilla, but just like, Oh shit, we're getting married. And then you have to deal with the fact that you're going out of the country, granted Cabo, but you're going out of the country. And like with all of this media attention, did it help or was it like another thing to deal with? Like, I feel it could go both ways. It absolutely helped. It's exciting. It's, yes. It's kind of like when you're nervous at the doctor's office or, you know, whatever, you got a big test coming up. Somewhere, somewhere you, you're feeling uncomfortable. Uh, you just bust out your phone and start just doing doing shit on Twitter just to like kind totally. of. Do, yes. Yeah. So this has been a, yeah. a distraction, but a welcome distraction. Uh, I'll break it down. I, I think. If you if you're listening to this podcast, you know what's been going on with me. But uh, I went out with Kate, my fiance, to go grab a suit over at at Arden. Went to the Nordstroms there, and right next to the Nordstroms, as you're walking in uh, through from the mall to the Nordstroms, there's a big jersey store right there. And so I'm listen. You know, I'm I'm the guy. I don't want to be at the mall. I don't want to shop. I don't want to try and close. Even for my wedding, it's still like. Uh, this isn't really fun for me. And, right. uh, you know, I think every, most guys know what I'm talking about. And saw the Jersey store there, you know, that popped into my mind. Like, all right, I, that's what I want to wear for my wedding. I'm going to figure out a way to do this. And so I asked Kate, you know, how many jerseys, how, how many, sorry, how many retweets do I have to get on Twitter for you to let me wear a King's jersey to this wedding? And she came back immediately with 10,000. Which is a lot. I mean, that's an astronomically high number if you're not thinking about it. See, I felt like that was low. I I, I heard that ten thousand. I guess that... it's, again. Remember, remember, I'm the, the person with five hundred followers. So, <laughs> like to me, ten thousand is like, oh shit, that's really high. No, rich can now, get that being, any can I day. Also ask, that's also true. I know, rich and Brad. Um, so you're you're being serious here. Like, is this complete sincerity, or are you sort of screwing with her? Like half sincere, half joking. Uh, definitely half joking at the time. Um, I, I was like, okay, so I, I mean, I, I thought it would never happen. I was pretty convinced about that. Right. But when she said 10,000, like, I, I know that's a lot. That's far more than I've ever gotten on any other tweet, but it felt like, oh, uh, she just, honestly, she just fucked up because that's a totally yeah. <laughs> accomplishable number. <laughs> yeah. All right. Fair enough. But again, she's probably coming at it from a place of like, well, that anything in five single single digits, how do you even quintuple digits, however the hell you say that, seems high. Like, it, it seems like a lot of retweets. It, it's not like a, a picture of a cat sneezing or something like that. To be fair, I had some dumb tweet about salmon get a thousand retweets. Well, that was a, so. I remember. I think I retweeted it. That was a great retweet. <laughs> um, that's, what, but, that's what's the best part of Twitter is shit like that. Yeah, no, it is. It's what makes, it's what makes that app beautiful, but... Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, I mean, I don't even remember, I, it's, it all became a blur pretty quick. Right. It, it, but it's, it took off like quick enough to where I got like a hundred retweets just from like, you know, chuckleheads and whatever, like before it even started hitting people with, I don't know, any kind of sway. And, 
And then uh, I think I sent a, a. And you specifically said Harry, right? Yeah. I did tag Harry. I tagged Harry. You wanted Harry from the beginning, which I think is the yeah. best possible person for it. Harry is that is the most Kings jersey uh, of the current players. I think to uh, choose to wear. I think it is the most sort of sincere. I mean, obviously, I love every member of the Kings, but Harry particularly, both as you said, I think in, in the uh, the interview for his uh, his story, his comeback story, his sort of cultish popularity, and just that he's so damn likable, is far and away the best person uh, to choose a jer- uh, jersey of. Well, and Rich, Dude, you said yeah. that they didn't have one in the team store, right? They didn't have one in the team store. I didn't. I didn't. I almost put them on blast. It on Twitter, like on this thing, but I didn't want to listen. I'm trying to be, I'm trying to good face forward, present myself as kind and as friendly as I can to everybody involved with the Kings organization. Because listen, I love this team. Obviously I love these players, not trying to put anybody on blast, but I did feel like in the back of my head, I was like, man, if I tweet at them from the team store, attached yeah. to this tweet, they would like, just come downstairs and give me a damn Harry Giles yeah. jersey. For God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> that team store, I, well, it's run by Fanatics, which is like the like sort of corporate monolith that is contracted out with all of these teams to provide sporting goods. Like I, my brother in December bought me this uh, long sleeve Jason Williams. He was years ago on the cover of Slam, and there was this long sleeve Jason Williams like Mitchell and Esty that he bought me and uh, over Christmas. And so he and I wasn't there with him. He bought it for me. He brought it back. He bought a medium, and I'm very rarely a medium, so it didn't fit. So over the summer, I go to take it back. They don't have it at all, and it's now discounted, so they couldn't exchange me the full value. They exchanged it on a discount, Ugh. and they didn't have a shirt. So I had to get, like, the Sierra. I mean, I was more than happy to get the Sierra, but now I'm just complaining. This great content, guys. I'm complaining about it. Sorry. No. No, no. Listen, this is – this is about the King store. This is what this episode is going to be about. This is some Kings fans talking about Kings fan experiences. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I, I know that uh, Bryant from uh, Sacktown Realty as well, who has been on the show before, said he went into that store to get a Darren Fox jersey during a game, and they didn't have one. I got a Fox they jersey like, during a game there, so I'm I. They do have them. I to think be maybe fair, it just yeah. gets. Go ahead. Sorry. I mean, no, was, to be fair, that was probably like they sold out that night. But come on, right. get it back. That's my guess. That part is true, though. Like, I, I think someone was saying, like, they're trying to be efficient so they're no, not overstocking, which is completely logical. And also, I went in May, right? So the season is over. I get that the product, like, what's in store, what's at the store, what they have in stock is going to be low. But it's still like, come on. I, I was just, like, semi, not like, oh, God, I'm so pissed. I'm so disappointed. Yeah. But it was like, oh, like, I should be able to go to the team store in April and still find something that I want. I found something I wanted, just not exactly what I yeah. Well, they still have hundreds of Vince Carter jerseys. That part is true. I have no shortage of Vince Carter and uh, Justin Jackson jerseys. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's what we got for Kate. So the sad truth of it is that the, the, the jersey I got of Harry, which is the home purple, that's the only option they had. And that's so, you know, they didn't have any Harry, Harry Giles jerseys. And then they said they had purple and white that were customizable and I could customize it to get Harry. And then, I asked for the for a large, which is like a pretty pretty standard sized jersey. Of course, and I would say the most they standard. They didn't have any customizable in large. Uh, uh, sorry, in what in white? I'm sorry. So that they didn't have the uh, so the one jersey I got was the one option I had, which is a bummer too because 
I've been pretty vocal about not liking that home purple jersey. But listen, you know, it's purple. It's fine. We wanted the white to go with the suit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. I mean, that's reasonable, of course. So what what color is your suit? Is, are you doing black and white, navy and white? Like, what are the wedding colors? Bro, it's actually incredibly swaggy. It's so, I mean, it's just a very standard black suit, but it's got the lining. And this was, this the lining's purple. And it's got a, like a purple detail in the pocket. It's actually, oh, nice. it actually is going to fit really nicely. Oh, it's perfect for that jersey. Like that's, it's, that's not even like that aggressively. Like it's not like you're wearing like a green suit with a purple jersey. That actually works. So this is good. I mean, this is yeah. all sort of falling into place for you. I'd also it, just like to point yeah. out that for, uh, for King's Pulse Patreon subscribers, uh, Rich is actually going <laughs> to do a podcast from the wedding, but that's only for the Patreon. Bro, I, so, that's not that. Listen, you that's get under the yeah. King's Pulse Patreon. That, that exactly. You got to pay for that. No joke. I'm going to be podcasting from Mexico. Oh yeah, that's international waters, boy. Dedicated. Yeah. So, so what's gonna, your plan? How long on... are you going to be? She's going to be ahead. angry at yeah, me. She's going to be angry yeah. at me when oh, I got to dish her for a couple hours, a uh, couple times a week on this honeymoon. But uh, the yeah, best inter- marriage is all about compromise. I've been told. Yeah. The best part of your Good Morning Sacramento interview was when the, I don't know the name of the lady reporter there, but she was like, it's your wedding. And you just very quietly were like, it's our wedding. That was beautiful. <laughs> yes. That, well, that was. Yeah. I have had nothing to say about this wedding. Okay. Like I have at my, my role in this whole thing has been nodding. And I've even said at times, listen. I really wanted a mariachi band instead of a wedding, <laughs> instead of like a DJ, because it's Mexico. You are Mexico. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. totally reasonable. I got shut down, and to be fair, oh. later on we found it in the budget that we'll have we'll have them during cocktail hours. So okay, I, okay, I that's not bad. That. I did get that, but this is like, listen, this is like everything is is Kate her style, all that stuff, and I love that. I'm happy for that. I that's you know that's how that's I want her to be happy. I want her to have everything she wants. However, now there's like a splash of my style in there, and I and I love it. When are you wearing the jersey? This is the plan, right? Uh, so I'm gonna come. I guess I don't. I don't come. Out. I guess when it's time, I don't listen. We're still. I'm. I'm. A, I wing it, right? I wing. I wing a lot of things, as you guys. If you guys have noticed tonight and throughout the rest of linear time, but right. I'll be I'll be out. I think how it works is the the grooms are kind of already out there when the whole thing starts. So I'm up there, right? I'll right. be dressed when they normally. walk the bride down the aisle. Yeah, right. So I'll be up there, uh, you know, dressed normally. We're talking black black suit, not full tux, just black suit, uh, purple tie. Obviously, another nod there, and uh, no jersey at the start, right? And she'll come down the aisle. We'll do there'll be some readings. There'll be, uh, you know, guitar player. There'll be just general, there's general stuff, vows. And well, as we get to the vows, we're going to have, you know, there's a ring bearer and then there'll be a jersey bearer. Okay. Jersey bearer will come up and. Two different it, people, I'm assuming. Yes. Yes. So yes. they'll give me the jersey and uh, as, that'll be right before the vows. And as part of the vows, I'll be talking to Kate and I'll thank her for being such a supportive partner through this process through, through our, our, you know, our last couple of years together, because, you know, I, I, and I'll tell you, uh, here's a quick diversion, but I'll tell you that when I didn't think that I could write 
at all. I didn't. I never wrote anything. Uh, and then, but I, I just loved basketball. And I told Kate one day, like literally just one day, we're sitting in bed. Listen, do you think I could make it as a basketball writer? And she said yes. And she said that she thought that I could. And she really did believe in me when it like something that I really didn't believe in myself. So I can say these things to her, take the jersey, you know, and she can say, you know, whatever back to me that's romantic and nice and supportive. And I can pop the jersey on, take off the jacket, pop the jersey on, jacket back on over the jersey, uh, final vows and a kiss and photo op. There, and then we're just excited for the uh, reception photos where you're shirtless. Well, I guess you're not shirtless. You're shirtless, save the jersey, sweaty and dancing. Because I feel like that's inevitable. At some, That jersey is going to become a prop at some point. I mean, take care of it, obviously, because now it has significance, much like a woman's wedding dress but uh, or wedding gown, whatever, bridal dress. Um, but at some point, I feel like that thing is going to come out over the course of the reception. Right. Yeah. And then as the, as they're throwing rice, I, I, you know, my best man passes me the ball and I, I just dunk all over her mom. <laughs> well, I think that's a fantastic, that's a fantastic, yours or hers? Uh, her mom. No. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. We gotta, that, you know, all right. So and then anyway, Harry's to speech it, is some, somewhere in the night. I would love right. that. I would love that. But uh, to bring it back to the Jersey store real quick, I know we're, we're jumping all, all around here, but you had mentioned the Vince Carter that there's a million of them down there, and there are. They're on clearance, so go grab yourself a Vince Carter jersey. <laughs> but that's literally the only option that they had for Kate. It was like th- there's only one size that fit her in the whole store. It was like it was like a not even a women's jersey. It's like a youth whatever, and it was a, a the white Vince Carter. That's a great plug, though. See, we're doing the Fanatic store, whatever that – I guess it's just the Kings team store. We're doing them a favor. We're giving them – listen, everybody, go down there, mention Kings Pulse podcast, and uh, you're, it's discounted. The jersey will be discounted. <laughs> it, they may say it was already discounted, but that's bullshit. Right. It's a Kings Pulse podcast yeah. listener discount. Big shout out to Pulse 69. Pulse 69. Man, Do you guys have sponsors yet? <laughs> You guys, need, we need to get you some sponsors. I want to do some ad reads. I guess you guys do the ad reads on your own. You don't need the, the no, guests you can to do, do the ad reads. You can you're do gonna, you're our, start talking yeah. about stamps.com. The stamps.com still a thing. Is that I feel like every podcast, it's like stamps.com and what's the other one? Like a uh, blue apron. Recruiting, yeah, blue apron. Exactly. One dollar shave club. One dollar shave club. Hims. Like Hims is the uh, Hims, which is like the it's like every male inadequacy. They basically are yeah. selling so it's like hair plug stuff uh uh you know uh, prostate medicines um yeah stuff like most that. Of apparently, our, apparently most, of, most of our listenership is impotent so you know we gotta get That's that true. so you guys gotta get the hand <laughs> impotent or ball yeah I, I think we gotta so. bring you on as our uh our pr pr guy slash uh, oh, I, I would be happy to do it i would just the guru there's nothing so anyway, but ads for Bluetooth.com. So anyway, continue. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, again, it's not getting away it, from, from... No, anyway, the, all that's happening. It's crazy. You know, big thank you to, to Harry. Big thank you to the Kings who who put it out from their account. Jason Tatum got in on the action. I know Brandon's jealous Which of that because he's, yeah. he's truly a Celtics fan in his heart. But uh, we can, uh, you know, let, I want to I wanted to stop talking about myself. I, I, we're talking about me too much. I want to... I wanna... This is exciting, though. This is like the first big viral story of the summer, really, of the Kings off season. So you got to take a victory lap for it. 
That's the Plus, it coincides with your wedding and your birthday. So this is, you know, and you're going to, are you, is your honeymoon also in Mexico? It are is. Are you just so, doing like a week there? So look at that. Yeah, exactly. Everyone else, we're telling, you know, everyone else to get lost. We'll stay there for the week. Uh, you know, that's kind of the way to do it. Uh, we wanted a small wedding, so it, it's going to work out. We're going to have like 50 people, you know, and, uh, and we'll stick around there. But, but yeah, man, I, I'm stoked. Already surpassing your 15 minutes of fame. So I think you really need to soak this up before it disappears. So it's got to go into like a half hour, exactly, yeah. at least. Are you going to yeah. take surfing lessons while you're out there? <laughs> no. Do so people do that? Cabo? I don't like being uh, like on the water or in the air. Like sharks. Yeah. There's been a bunch of shark attacks lately. I, I think mostly on the East Coast. But there have been a bunch of shark attacks. This place, I was like, so you don't go into the goddamn water. Just stay out of the water. You'll get attacked by sharks. Yeah, I'm not interested in that at all. I'm talking poolside. Right. I'm yeah. talking, right, I'm talking terra firma, baby. That's where I, that's where yeah. I like it. Precisely. There's the pool and sun and, uh, some fruit. I don't know. Is fruit like a poolside thing? I don't know. I think so. Yeah. And I, I think that, uh, yeah, I, you know, Kate wants to go zip lining. I'm like, hell no. People get paralyzed from that. I'm cool. I'm cool. Uh, you know, she, she even found, she's like, she sent me a link to sandboarding on some dunes. She, she's like, this is on the earth. And I'm like, you're pushing it though. That could be kind of fun. You just have to like get like a mouth guard. I assume you want a bunch of sand in your mouth. Yeah. And it's still like, it's hot. I don't really like the heat. It's yeah. actually, it's cooler in, in, in Cabo than it is here right now. So that's, I've been what very is, comforted by that. What is Anakin Skywalk? I assume it's really hot in Sacramento. I know I take it for granted. I'm going there and like. I'm going up there in like two weeks, and it's like seventy something here, and it's a hundred there, and I'm like, oh, Sacramento summer, man. When it comes, it comes. Yeah. And it's kind of unrelenting. And now the nice thing with the Sac summer is that it does cool down a bit at night. Like it doesn't stay hot. Like I've been like to Phoenix, to Phoenix in the summer, uh, it's uh, miserable I, all day. It, ne- it never cools down. At least in Sacramento, it cools down some. Yeah, poor Tim Maxwell just getting roasted. Well, uh, <laughs> you know what? He deserves it. He did that to himself. He chose to move out there. I mean, there are nice things in Phoenix. Don't get me wrong. It's just the weather sucks. Yeah, I agree. It's in it. Yeah, it is rough. We're talking 110, 120. But, but, uh, yeah, I mean, so you're, you're down in LA, right, Robbie? I am in Los Angeles. Yes. I I spent a majority of my life, uh, I think I I was doing the math, not this again. So this has just become the Robbie Tells Boring Stories podcast. Uh, I, I spent about 10 years in Los Angeles, both in college and then, returning and then i've otherwise been in sacramento so about 30 years of my life in sacramento 10 years of my life in los angeles are you currently paying off student debt interested in improving your financial literacy or looking for new ways to earn income in today's ever-changing digital landscape well on the talk money with mesh lakani podcast mesh will follow paper trails chat with experts and break down complex ideas to bring clarity to the mystical financial phenomena Each episode will be filled with compelling stories covering a broad range of subjects, from buying Bitcoin, dealing with student debt, and everything in between. Listen to Talk Money with Mesh Lakani on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and learn how to spend, invest, and earn for today's economy. The King's Pulse podcast is now available on the app PodCoin. That is an app where you literally get paid to listen to podcasts. Our podcast is on there. There's plenty of other great content as as well. How it works is for regular listening, you earn one pod coin every 10 minutes. There's bonus podcasts as well that will include the King's Pulse podcast. 
that you earn one and a half pod coins for 10 minutes. And there's also streak listening where you can earn up to two or two and a half per 10 minutes. And you can put those pod coins towards gift cards and other prizes as well that have a cash value. Be sure to download PodCoin and listen to our podcast and the rest of the podcasts that are on there as well. Um, and I know Brendan is—he's uh, a little bit sick right now, so he's so I'm trying to. We're kind of. Uh, I'm here. Taking I'm a, a little off time, I'm so but sorry. I mean, I just wanted to point out to Brendan. I wanted to point out point toward Brendan here as well. Like you know, now in this in this era. He can just um, start a podcast and publish it to iTunes, right. and like yeah. he, now, like the way to do it is you just do it, and it seems crazy to exactly. me. But but people people ask me, they're like, "How did you start doing that?" I'm like, "Apparently, you just do it." I didn't know that either. Apparently, like that's really the answer. The, this world is incredibly accessible in ways that, like, I don't think I don't think that it, it ever has been before. Especially when you talk about the era when the B had like five writers and they probably all went right. to school and got journalism degrees and, and, you know, fought their way up to, to being on the beat and all that stuff. You can just do it now. It's, it's, it's crazy. And I don't know that, I think, I don't know that we're, I think we're the better to a point for the dynamic as it is now versus as, uh, versus what it was then. I, you know, I think that the, the, um, the lack of beholdenness to the organization, not that the organization demanded fealty, but I think actually Deadspin pointed this out today in the context of uh, the Warriors minority or investor, the Sequoia Capital guy that pushed Kyle uh-huh. Lowry away from the seat, that nobody in the Bay Area media named him. And I think Deadspin's point was clearly somebody knew who he was. I mean, he's been around. He has a courtside seat. But you know, there's that degree of uh, – I, I just think that the, the, the problem with – not the mainstream media because there are, there are major basketball writers that I love. Um, but the problem with that style of media, the, the sort of older style of media to a point, is that then you get these rivalries between writers and people choose their camps and it's all about access. And I, I think, think that being divorced from that in a lot of ways really benefits the reader and the fan because it's not just – it's not wish fulfillment to the fan, right? And it's not a person just wanting to hear their own voice unless it's this podcast and then that's me. Um but generally speaking, I think what helps a lot, especially with like this podcast and with with the writing that we're referring to, is there has to be a, a mark of sincerity. Like you have to to want to do what you're doing, not just because oh I want to do a podcast, I, I want to hear my own voice, or I, I want like the the media attention. Because you honestly want to talk about this, you're genuinely interested in it. You can have a two hour conversation on King's backup point guards, right? Just the granularity yep. of that speaks to the interest from both of you. And everybody that we interact with on all of that. And I, I think that's a huge part of it, too. I will say that the standards for, it, to your point, it is uh, you just do it. But the standards, I think, are pretty high because you guys have set the, the standards and the bar so high. Right. Well, I guess at this point, it's like you, you just do it and then enough people are doing it that I hope it's not too masturbatory for me to say that the cream rises to the top. Oh, God, all those no, words no in argument. the same sentence. <laughs> <laughs> this is good. Uh, by the way, again, get, you know, we're sponsored, get bluetooth.com sponsored by Hims. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and, and also like, also I think a lot of it is to the point where there's not a lot of incentive to do this. So the people that end up doing right. it is the people that can't not do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you just, if you just love basketball and you think about basketball all the time, to the point where you got to talk to people and, and write about it and do all that stuff. 
because, you know, unless you are really uh, elite and work for years hard at it, like the, the financial incentives are not there. Uh, but you get to do what you you're passionate about. And I mean, that's really the dream for pretty much every single member of the media that that I've interacted with is they just love ball. And and I think that uh, the three of us are the same way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's no question. To throw a random question out here, um, what is the first what's the first game that you guys recall going to? Doesn't doesn't have Kings game or just game in general? We'll do both. Oh, that's a really good question. I oh, I mean, I remember going early. I remember going to Kings. I remember going to a Kings game when uh, Elijah Wan was playing. I I think with he he was still with the Rockets. Yeah, he was definitely with the Rockets because the Kings were around when when Elijah was with the Rockets. Um, But I don't. I'm trying to think of the first like really competitive game I remember going to that was a Kings game. What about you guys? I, I'll, I'll keep thinking. Remember, I'm older, so my first, really dig into the recesses. My first NBA one was at Oracle, and by the way... That's, I'm, a, that's a great one. By the way, I'm very upset that Oracle's about to be done with. And I know. I, you know, go, go ahead. I'll, I'll, ta- I'll do what I was going to do in a minute because yeah, no, we're answering this question. It was, it was against the Clippers, and there was Corey Maggette on the other team. Like I mean, Rich, like Rich has said, I'm I'm 97, so not quite as old as you guys. But oh, who's Corey, on that Warriors team? Is that like Jason it Richardson? Was Monte, is that yeah, Monte Ellis, uh, Jason Richardson. So Don Nelson. Yes, before yeah, b- before we believe Baron Davis and all that. Right, exactly. Because there was that weird season just before that where like Eric Musselman was the coach, and they had like Nick Van Exel in yeah. Arenas. I think was just coming on, and they were still pretty good. But they just like I think they were like that weird like ninth seed where they were above five hundred. There were some really weird iterations of the Warriors before they became the Warriors. Like you know there was the horrible phase, and then there was this weird phase where they were kind of scrappy, um, yeah. and they were really fun to watch. And then obviously th- this era happened. Yeah, and it really I, started with like the Monte trade that everybody yeah, was yeah, really pissed did. at. Like the owner got booed yeah. the next game. Yeah, yeah and it's crazy People to think love the Monte. Yeah. Oh my God, I loved Monte. I yeah. mean, this this is going to be a tough episode for a lot of people to digest, knowing that both <laughs> Brennan and I grew up in the Bay Area, both had our first uh, basketball game at, at Oracle. Um, yeah, and and yeah, I remember loving Monte. I, I probably would just get absolutely skewered in today's game for being oh, yeah. so inefficient, such a such a ball hog. But uh, yeah, I mean, love that guy, but. He was fun as hell, and he was great. He was was great in whatever system Don Nelson was running. He was perfect for. You know, so my answer is uh, is a little bit further back. I am uh, older than Brendan significantly. I'm actually closer in age to to you, Robbie, than than Brendan. We got a nice spread here. Uh, 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 What is it? We got thirty nine, thirty, and twenty. Is that Brendan? By the way, so we got a a Vunderkind here. I will say exceptionally good at this for 21 years old. I, I was I would be three steel reserves deep and like trying to put on Guns N' Roses while I was talking on a podcast. <laughs> if I if this was me at 21, it would not be nearly this coherent or uh, articulate. So I, uh, congratulations. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Brandon is so and much better at me than podcasting. Out. By the way, 
I, I have always said this, but I was Brendan's got the voice. He's got the cadence. And by the way, for anyone who doesn't know, he does way more behind the scenes than I do for this podcast. So all credit due. This dude's a much better podcaster than I'll ever be. But no, you okay, don't so give have, yourself enough credit. I, we I'm got neutral. A, yes. We got a nice spread here. So I guess we got nine years either side. I'm I'm the middle child of this group, but. For me, it was uh, – so I, it wasn't even a game. The first time I ever went to an NBA event, it was some weird like raffle thing that my mom had won when I was really young. I was – I think I was like – I must have been like eight or something, seven or eight. And uh, at the time, I wasn't even into basketball really. My dad is a football fan and a baseball fan, went to a lot of Giants games, uh, but never, never basketball. And then – she won some award to like some really not award some some ticket to some really weird like NBA thing in the offseason. It was it was actually in the Coliseum next to the Oracle, and it had like it was just some like weird basketball like for lack of a better word like fair like you went in there and it was all types of booths and if if anyone knows what I'm talking about please get at us. Oh, that's awesome. It was Seems awesome. Was it like it wasn't a season ticket holder thing, obviously, because you won it in a raffle. Yeah, it must. It couldn't have been. Huh. It was some like I think it was kid oriented. So, uh, you know, there was like uh, you know like like little courts set up to play one on one. There was like uh, you meet the players. It was just like anything fun you could think of basketball related. I'll have to go and like look this up to figure out what it was exactly. But it was just like one of the coolest things I'd ever been to. So you know, I became a Warriors fan at that time. Again, God forgive me. And uh, the first jersey I ever got is uh, <laughs> uh, was a Mookie Blaylock navy That's navy blue jersey, and though. orange. That's a great jersey. So like the, Pearl Jam yeah. jersey wasn't Pearl Jam originally called Mookie Blaylock? I think is that that's true? A true story. I think that's a true piece of trivia. I'm almost certain I'm right about that. That I think he was a Sonic at one point in time, and they all loved him. So they're huge Sonic fans. The Pearl Jam guys. Uh, I think they called themselves Mookie Blaylock at one point in time. Yeah, that's also true. Yes, yes, yes. Um, that's interesting. So the, the the era that I went to, I can't remember like the you know they were playing or anything, but it was the it right. was the Antoine Jameson trade when the Warriors acquired Antoine Jameson, and that were yeah they they tra- it was I'm going way back, but it was Gilbert Arenas was a rookie right. for the Warriors. That was a huge deal, and I believe they traded away Jameson around that time. And they had a Donald Foyle, I think, at that point in time, who was not particular. He was, like, good at what he was good at. He was sort of like a pre-Jason Thompson or Willie Cauley-Stein almost, except Willie Cauley-Stein is not necessarily good at what he should be good at. Um, so this is, but you're, I think you were making the point about Oracle. It's like, I, I want Durant to leave largely because, and I, I personally am convinced he won't, but I, I want Durant to leave in part because, obviously, the West will just free up that much if he leaves. But also, like, I just, you know, they're going to San Francisco. They're not, they've, they've always, I, I'm a fan of the A's and, uh, Raiders because my family's from Oakland and I've spent a ton of time in Oakland and I think like, I'm not gonna, I'm not a San Francisco person. I mean, I have friends in San Francisco, but it's, and it, you know, the more that time has gone on and the more it's become kind of tech douchey. Plenty of nice people that work in tech, <laughs> but there's still plenty of also sort of tech douches out there. It's easy shorthand. And, you know, that, that they have come on the other side of the bridge. I mean, it's, honestly, it's the Sequoia guy pushing Kyle Lowry. Like, that's exactly what everybody hates about the current state of the Warriors, yep. including 100%. a lot of Warrior fans. And them going across the bridge is the ultimate consummation of that. To yep. the point, I want to rant to go to New York. So that, not that that team still won't be good, but they won't get the full experience because it's kind of like, fuck you, this is what you deserve. 
You pressed all it. the normal fans out. You brought them to the other side of the goddamn bridge. You made it more convenient for you. It's everything bad about that universe, in my opinion. And this is like old guy rambling to a point. Because, you know, I, I think for a very long time, the Kings and Warriors were never good at the same time. So there was a respectful appreciation on both sides. Like, E-40 was wearing Kings jerseys for forever and was rapping about the Kings. And still gives shouts out to Sacramento at times. You know, it's, I think that the, those fan bases have always been very flexible in terms of, it's not like liking the Lakers. You can kind of like both. Obviously, Sacramento turning into a front-running Dubs fan, a Dubs fan, Dubs fan city, I guess, Dubs team city. Anyway, I'm, I'm slurring now. Uh, but what's happened in the last few years, everybody vacating the Kings for them, and I don't not understand it, but it's like when this team gets good again, everybody's going to come back like rats away from a sinking ship or whatever. Um, it's just frustrating. That whole process to me is just like, ugh. Like, I'm really going to, not that I'm, uh, not that I don't already struggle to not root for them, but enjoy their, or, or tolerate their victories. But next year, if it happens, it's just going to be like, ugh. Yeah. I'll tell you, I feel like, personally, I, I, maybe I'm just a glutton for punishment, but I'll always go the opposite way, where, you know, I, I really did enjoy the, the uh, sorry, the Warriors' first championship. I thought that was a really enjoyable experience. I definitely... Yeah, at the time, I, I, the We Believe Warriors, uh, I was a senior in college, or sorry, a freshman in college when they, they beat the Mavericks in the first round of series. That was incredible to experience. I mean, I'm still a big fan of Baron Davis, but, you know, they absolutely, you know, the KD signing, I, I don't want to get into it too much, but I just am not a fan of that. I think people can understand that. And it's just become, I've, my stepfather has had season tickets to the Warriors for, God knows how many years, Bef- like since before I met him. So a really, really long time, 20, 25 years. And uh, so I went to a lot, a lot of those games and he, you know, Hey, he's got literally first row seat warrior to warrior wow. season tickets. He's an amazing wow. guy. And I, he's incredibly Perfect. lucky to get in on that. And uh, so he's, he's let me get those tickets that he went. Me, I went to the Kings game earlier this, one of the Kings games in Oracle earlier this year. And uh, I've just seen, that crowd going like in a really whack direction from they had packed houses, like give it up because they absolutely had an amazing fan base and they're still in existence. Right. Yeah. I'm saying, and they're still there. Those, I mean, they're not in the house, but those fans are still there. Just it's, you're being, they're all being priced out and God knows they're not going to be in the new stadium. Yeah. I'm in SoCal for a couple weeks right now. And I was just watching the game with, a family friend and he was like you know the warriors just the fan base isn't as loud as it used to be and i'm like no these are not the fans like these are businesses have seats and they gave it out and these people just see it as something to do on a wednesday night or on a weekend night and they leave early all the real fans are stuck sitting at home like rich said they get priced out i swear to god when i walked into that game I literally looked at the security. I was I arrived late, so I was coming from Sacramento. There was some accident on the freeway. I arrived middle of the first quarter. When I went inside, I looked around at the security guards, and I was like, "Is there a game going?" And like, did I have the day wrong? I it right. was silent. And to it's be crazy. fair, the Kings were on a big run, and they were, they were they were shutting up the, the crowd. But it was I've never experienced anything like that before. But it's a front running stadium. It's like when things are great, they're great. And when they're bad, it's not that people are depressed, they're just disinterested, which is like the worst possible way to be. I mean, it's, it's the staplesification of that stadium, right? You know, as much as uh, the Lakers are low, justifiably so, 
they had a great working class fan base for forever that just got priced out by the same thing, luxury boxes and wealthy people taking selfies over the course of the game. And now I really yeah. sound like an old man. I mean, there's nothing wrong with selfies, but it's just like, you know, people not paying attention to basketball and instead taking photos of themselves while they're at these games. I remember when Kobe went off in his final game, right when he scored 60 points or whatever the hell it was, there was a woman cheering courtside in a Steph Curry jersey. And I was like, all right, that's the state of both franchises right now. <laughs> this is why both of these franchises are insufferable. And I think to the point about the luxury boxes, like the problem with Oakland and both agree with the problem with San Francisco and the problem with LA, and it's interesting, it's a little less the case, or it's a little less an issue in Sacramento, you know, those luxury boxes go to people that generally are transients, whether they're in town for business or they've moved to the city because they've had to from a business standpoint. They're only like sort of half-assedly adopting the team. Like, the good thing about Sacramento is that even with those boxes, for the most part, they're people from Sacramento that work at Sacramento businesses, so they still care. So I, I feel like that's part of the reason that so far that this uh, Golden One has been able to maintain its integrity, let's say, for lack of a better term. The King's Pulse podcast is recorded and hosted on Anchor. It is the easiest way to make a podcast, and it is 100% free. It gives you everything you need to record, edit all of it so it sounds smooth and professional, and upload it all from your phone and or your computer. They distribute your podcast to every major platform. They give you an opportunity to make some money in the process as well. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. So break down for us how, and please, please tell us about how, uh, you know, how did the, you know, how did your Kings fandom come around and, and how did, you know, where does this LA nonsense play into it? Give us the story. All right. So I, um, I mean, I was more or less always the Kings and I should know this off the top of my head, but they moved to SAC in what, 86 or 80 was like mid to like mid to sort of late eighties. And so I, I was born in 80. So I went to, um, Kings games growing up and I was, you know, I paid attention when you're a youth, you sort of pay half attention, but you still pay attention. And as much attention as you're going to pay to a bad team, which is ironic because I spent like the last decade of my life as a Kings fan, like materially paying attention to a bad team. Um, but I was in college in Los Angeles from 98 to 02 and went to school, Loyola Marymount, which is kind of by, uh, the airport, LAX, uh, with a lot of people from Southern California at a formidable time first for the Lakers, because the Lakers, uh, that was sort of the, that dynasty, that first, uh, Shaq, well, the first Kobe Phil dynasty and the Kobe Shaq Phil dynasty. And at the at tail end of that dynasty, the Kings started to get really competitive. And there was the first playoff series. I can't remember. The Kings played the Lakers in a playoff series. And I think the, the Kings lost in four. They had Jason Williams at the time. It was before the baby trade. And it was maybe the season before, I think it was the year that the Lakers beat the Pacers, which was their first championship year. Cause there was that second year where the Lakers swept everybody and then lost the first game to Iverson and the Sixers. And then I think swept the Sixers where they were just super dominant, the second of their three year run. And so my senior year, Kings had traded for Bibby. And for all practical purposes, even though SAC had the better record in the Pacific division, it, it, the logic was not dissimilarly to what we have had ever since and probably had before. It, you know, a good team rests. You're not getting that team at 100%. 
And so when the Kings and Lakers made it to the Western Conference Finals, it was my last week of college. And I was going back to Sacramento uh, out of college. And when you leave any place, you get that sort of weird sense of like, oh, I'm, I'm like, what's going to happen to me? You get sort of out of, yeah, I've been in a place for four years. I've made these friends over these four years. Now I'm going back to Sacramento. I have some old friends, but I'm going to have to make new friends. And you just sort of feel, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word. Like you just don't have like a port to call your own. Um, and so the game four, which was the Ori game, game four was the Ori game, right? Or was game three the Ori? I really should know this. I'm, I'm aging I mean, myself now at this you're, point. You're truly um, the expert on this stuff uh, compared to us. We're, we are, relatively speaking, newcomers to the Kings. Uh, yeah, so, so it was... It, it, Game four was the Ori game because Sack lost game one and they won two and three. And had they won the fourth game, then it was like, all right, there's no way they're going to lose that series because they have three more games and they only need to win one game. And the fifth game and the seventh game are in Sacramento. So I'm on the couch. It's my second to last night, maybe my last night in Los Angeles. I'm sitting next to two Laker fans and I'm with my parents and my brother and we're watching that game. I have two brothers, but I was watching with my youngest at that point. And we're all enraptured by this game, and we're certain Sacramento's going to win. And Ori hits that shot, and the uh, Laker fans next to me are obviously smug and celebrating. And it was this sort of devastating thing. I went back to Sacramento. I had moved home. My dad had uh, – he shared season tickets. And so he didn't have a ticket to Game 7 of that series, but he did have a ticket to Game 5, which was the game where Bibby hit the shot over Fisher. It wasn't a buzzer beater. It wasn't quite the Ori shot, but it was, it was a neck-and-neck game. I think it was the game that supposedly Kobe had maybe sort of a Paul Pierce shitting himself thing. Kobe had gotten food poisoning and wasn't a hundred percent. And so he hit that shot over it. And, and like, not that the Kings hadn't always mattered to me, but as a person that had, had been out for college, had come back. And, you know, I think when you're, especially when you're sort of in your, it matters always, but I, I think especially when you're in your early to mid twenties, it matters a lot because it, it's, it's sort of this connective tissue. It's how you relate to people. It's how you interact with people. Um, you, you, you're not getting married yet. You don't have a ton of intimate relationships. You're still building and working on those. And that's a very obvious sort of through fair. And I think I've always kind of to a point to find myself as a Sacramentan. And it was at that point that I really started to define myself as a Sacramentan through the Kings. And, you know, th- there were three really good years with that team. There was that season. There was the next season where Weber got hurt and they lost to the Mavericks. And then the following season where Weber had come back and there was some tension on the team. But they went to the very end of a game seven against the Timberwolves that really, they, that was a series they really should have won. The, the Maverick series, you couldn't suture the fact that, uh, I hope that's the right word, that Weber had gotten hurt, but that, uh, Timberwolves series, I was convinced they were going to win by the end. They finally, they played a little disjointedly and they really came together, uh, but they still lost it and they, they, they had their test season. They've been a disaster since, but, Mm-hmm. And then I would say also that the relocation saga, and I'm still a bus right here, that relocation saga, I was actually thinking this, um, that the Kings have never really, for as, as long as they've been bad, they've never been boring, for better and worse. I think sometimes it's just easier to have a team that's bad and boring, but other times it's not. Like, there has been a lot to care about as a Kings fan, even since they've been bad. Now, it's they're going to move the team, and the Maloof suck, and they're trade cousins in the dark of night, but there have been things that it's been, I think it's not coincidental that 
uh, and a lot of it is just the talent that ha- that we've lucked into at STR. I mean, you two, like you guys, and and everybody else. And I think a lot of it is that as bad as the team is, because it's been interesting. People have kind of have strangely gravitated towards it. And so I, I mean, obviously, just as and even coming back to Los Angeles, I, I still largely think of myself as a Sacramento. My brother lives down here. Uh, and I have friends down here who are from Sacramento, and it's you know this and Ladybird are kind of the <laughs> connective tissue, um, yeah. and I think that it's it's uh, you know to a point it's, I even say like it's not a diversion because I I care way more about it than I should. I think I've gotten better as I've gotten older about not taking everything so personally and not living and dying by everyone in loss because there's a lot of losses uh, if you're <laughs> living and dying by every loss. Although this season I will say it's not an uptick in the inverses, I got back to getting like anxious and, and it's very cathartic to have all of you guys around because a decade ago, that was less the case. I mean, obviously social media has united everybody in that way also. Um, but it's, it's still a very important, uh, aspect of my life. And it, it still feels very, I don't know. I think like anything with the sports team, everything kind of bleeds into everything else. So it, it just, seems like sort of one continuous timeline like there's i did you ever read occurrence at owl creek bridge where this guy like gets hanged on a bridge and he thinks he's lived like a week but it's been 10 minutes sort of been my king's experience and at times <laughs> it felt like a lifetime and at other times it felt like 15 minutes it's like, like one dmt trip yeah yeah basically yeah again <laughs> honestly that's what it is it's like like taking some semblance of a hallucinogen or dmt dmt or ketamine is ketamine dmt is that the same drug I don't think um, so, but I am so no to go, expert we'll on it. Poll our listeners, so if you guys <laughs> could uh, tweet to King's Pulse at some point, yeah, and clarify the discrepancy between K and DMT. But I honestly, and, that's and, a really good and Viagra. We need to just all yeah, you know. That's another for, one for it's our hip been, It's been a really good high at times. It's been a really bad high at times. And now the I'm sort of at the point where the high is coming back around. It's like you had the bad part of the trip, and now you're at the part where it's like, oh. This could actually like oh things may be changing. Oh. Um, well, yeah. Well, so you make it there, really. There's my very. You, you make an interesting point though about the uh, you know sometimes a, a bad team is just as engaging as a good team on some levels. I think that definitely goes double for blogging and writing. So uh, I believe you got involved with STR in 2008. Is that right? Yeah, yeah I think so. So at the time it was Ziller who obviously has gone on to do great and big things. And Tom was always brilliant. Like you knew even then just when he was writing about like, and I, I think too, that um, it's a, a testament to him uh, that the site is what it is because he was one of the first people to really, he loved, do you remember Kevin Martin? You guys, like he was a King who oh, yeah. it's sort of in the bad day. So right. I figure as much. Um, Zilla was the first person. Cause you have to remember I the, the team, so my theory on the Kings fan base is it's odd. I, at one point in time, the B had like five writers. It had Mark Kreidler. It had Bretone writing just about the Kings. Uh, Eileen Voisson, Scott Howard Cooper, and Marty McNeil. And so, you know, I think part, the team, there are a lot of relatively smart Kings fans in town who grew up in that era. Not that those five writers were always great, but you were exposed to a number of different ideas. You were always very well informed. And it's crazy to think that a newspaper like The Bee had five columnists, right? Like Boston Globe has five columnists. The New York Daily News, New York Daily News probably doesn't even have five columnists. Big papers have five columnists. And for a long time, The Bee had five columnists. 
But at the same time, there is a very and, and this is probably true in every city, so I shouldn't say this. But there there can be a uh, regressive fan base, and Zillow really was one of the first people to I think shine a light on analytics and looking at players in sort of a uh, a, a different and a more disciplined light. And I think Satin Royalty, truthfully, is the best uh, non-major website. And even compared to a lot of the major websites, you are excellent at that. Tim is excellent at that. Tony is excellent at that. Just the degree to which you can dispassionately state your case and use numbers to state that is such a, a strength. And I, I, it's my biggest weakness. So I'm always continuously impressed by it. And we're so lucky that the, the city is so lucky to have you guys because I, I think there's this tendency from sort of big media to think that because we're Satown royalty, we're like these apologists for the teams. We're apologists for the team. And it's like, oh, we're kind of the, not, we're not the opposite because I don't think that we're, uh, uh, overly critical. I think we're just fair, uh, fair and balanced. Um, just like Fox and, News. Uh, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> just like Fox News, my favorite, my favorite network. That's a joke. Um, and uh, so, oh, so in 2008. Sorry, I'm, I'm now I'm really going off the rails. Very discursive. But uh, so in 2008, I, I it was Ziller and it was Section, uh, Rob Hessing, and uh, I was uh, I, I just kind of became buddies with Ziller because we had similar senses of humor, and he sort of recruited me to be the ombudsman for Saxon Royalty, which was the person that sort of came in and was like, all right, don't make this comment, do make this comment, sort of like from a macro standpoint, was like, this is what we should be focusing on, this is what we shouldn't be focusing on. And I did that for a while, and then like Akis came in and did kind of a much better job of that, and so I, I sort of became the intermittent columnist for Saxon Royalty. When there was a big event, I, I would sort of write that up. Um, and I did a decent amount of writing during the relocation stuff, because, you know, I, I think to, to your point, I, I think that that just had a tendency to, there was so much catharsis in that. Because early on, the narrative was that the Sacramento was a small town and they couldn't afford to keep the team. And it sucked that it was happening to them, but the Maloofs had to go elsewhere. And it was like, no, everybody, at least everybody in Sacramento knew the Maloofs had lost a ton of money in the real estate market. Mm-hmm. They weren't particularly savvy businessmen anyway, or particularly savvy people at all. And um, they'd frittered away the assets that they had, and they basically were going to move the team for their own sake financially. And I think, you know, Sacktown Royalty and all of us were like, look, we have to put truth to power. And that was uh, Fippin's documentary. There, there was so much of that early on, the Here We Stay movement. And I think that, so I, I did some writing then, but I, I think that that's really what galvanized everybody. And I, I think the fan base is, in a lot of ways, what it is now because of that moment. I'm not sure uh, that that was a coherent answer. But no, no. Answer. Listen, I'm just, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just sitting back and, and taking this all in. So uh, when, you know, when you got involved, how can you tell us a little bit about the process of, uh, I mean, you talked a little bit about the early days, but how did you, how did you like get involved? How did you first get on board? I, I just started emailing Ziller. Like I, like I was, would email him back and forth at the time. Uh, we were both working for the state of California. We both were sort of complaining about that. We both, uh, he had gone to Sac State and had been an English major and we knew some people mutually there. Um, and we just kind of became like pen pals. I, I think for lack of a better term, you know, I was involved in like SCR commenting and then he was like, well, do you want to write some stuff? And I wrote, like I wrote an article about when the, there was a year where the Patriots, I think it honestly was the year the Patriots lost the Super Bowl to the Giants. But Dante Stallworth was on the team who was from Sacramento. Teddy Bruschi was on the team who was from Sacramento. Their long snapper had gone to Sac State. So I wrote a thing kind of tongue-in-cheek about how there were all these uh, Sacramentans 
representing the uh, Patriots in the Super Bowl, and people liked it. And so I, I, I just had a tendency to, to be uh, tasked the random stuff. I would point out, it's not like much like kind of where I went to college. Like you talk to these people, not to degrade anybody that went to a great school, but they're people that went to like Cal in the seventies, very bright, but aren't necessarily the people that went to Cal in like the 2010s. Cause it's gotten increasingly more competitive. I kind of came to Sacktown royalty when it was like, Oh, Hey, do you care if I write for you? And they're like, I don't know, by all means, write for us. It was not nearly what it's become in terms of just the, the number of, of, uh, uh, readers that we have, the number of commenters that we have, and how sort of competitive the process is now of writing it was just very sort of uh, casual. That's but really I think cool. To your point, and I think your like your uh, fiance, your your soon to be wife, is telling you you have a specific voice. I, I think that the best, if you look at everybody that writes for STR, if you look at the best uh, basket bloggers, I, I think the most helpful thing to have is. People are all going to have like it's, it, the take is important, but the reasoning for the take is important. And I, I think to have a, a voice and an identity it, it really is what uh, differentiates and helps a ton. I mean, to the degree to which I give advice to writers, which I am in no place to give, but I think having a voice, finding your voice, and cultivating that voice is easily the uh, that's the biggest piece of advice I think. This is really this is really good good you know for my own edification and and understanding and I'll I'll say to anyone out there who's listening uh, who's interested in, in how I got involved is also you know very similar thing it's just like a, you just start writing and um, I think that's really a unique and amazing thing about Sidetown Royalty and the SB Nation affiliates is that you can just write something and post it as a fan post and people just read it. And it's shocking how many people read it. Like that's always stunned. That's totally true. Yeah. You know? So we said first NBA game, what's the first Kings game? So, uh, Rob was yours. Yours was a Kings game, right? Um, yeah, I think mine was a Kings game. Yes. I think that that was, uh, I think the Elijah one game was the first Kings game. I, 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 I think that I went to a couple of, Warrior games at some point in in my youth when those weren't inexpensive tickets in my family or were inexpensive tickets and my family's in the Bay Area, but that's like there was a game where they played Olajuwon and I Richmond scored a bunch and now I can't even remember it. I'll have to look it up, but that's really sort of my first memory of that. Gotcha. For me, I was uh, so I've been in Sacramento for six years now, a little over six years. All right. And uh, the way that I first went to games was <laughs> literally free tickets, like. And I don't mean like a buddy had free tickets, but like they're, they're I don't know. Giving who, them away. They're just giving them away. I don't know if that was just yeah. me, like whoever, like whatever, like it was, it was where I was working at the time. It was a place I volunteered, would just do like drawings and they would draw a bunch. They would draw like 10 tickets, at, you know, 10 names. And then the first eight people would be like, nah, I'm good. And then, so like I got them pretty much every week, like early on. Right. And this was mid, you know, this was DMC era. Well, the thing is that when the team is really bad, frankly, Arco sucks to get to. It's not convenient. Like, so you have to work to get out there and then work to come back. So it's not just that the team sucks, the stadium sucks, and then it's a kind of a chore to get out there. I mean, I, I went for years still, but it was like, oh, I mean, it's the other nice thing about this stadium where it is now. It's like, all right, you come in from Midtown. You come in from downtown, you're downtown anyway. It's not that difficult to access it. When it was out in Natomas, not that it's impossible, it's not that impossible. It just was more of a chore. It took what was already a chore and made it that much more of a chore. So I, I wanted to know just your impression. I, I actually have, 
I, I have a, a fantasy about writing a book one day about fan migration. And uh, but I wanted to get your opinion. Oh, that's great. I like I want to like travel to like you know England and talk to all these like you know Premier League fans and I want to go I want to go you know in around the world to where the anyway this is a whole fantasy line but like obviously this soccer is a good idea though. I like this book this is a great idea that's my pitch yeah you're my publicist so come on yeah, uh, give me that, that's right give me that working on this give me yeah. that advance I need fifty thousand advance um uh, I'll take twenty um so all right that's that's more reasonable we got to get the blue shoe money first. <laughs> But I wanted to get your. They're also going to sponsor your book. So you, I mean, you okay. are a lifelong Kings fan. You have been a Kings fan longer than yes. I've been alive, and I want to get your opinion on so uh, on oh, this uh, on this on this move that I've made, which is, I mean, I I so I was a Warriors fan. I I've always considered myself more of a sports fan or more of an NBA fan. I'm more of a player specific fan. In right. general, yeah, totally reasonable. I like the Packers because I saw Rogers play in college and was like, oh, this guy's going to be great. And then his early years were, you know, there was the whole Favre thing. But I was like, no, I still think he's going to be really good. And then he ended up being good. So I'm like, well, I like I, I like seeing him succeed. So I completely understand the uh, being a fan of a player thing. So is it but is this cowardice? Is this uh, shitheadism? Is this uh, bandwagonism for for me to go from one team to another, uh, what you know, it, it, I can excuse it away by saying the Warriors got good and the Kings were awful, and that's when I made the leap. And I wanted to, I want to watch teams rebuild. I want to study that. I want to support, you know, the local team. I was here for six years. So what, what's what? Where the lines here? And be brutally honest. It, I know. Here's what I would say. I think that if you leave a bad team for a good team, that's bandwagonism, right? That that's betrayal. Ultimately, now it's reasonable, and I don't not understand it. But leaving a bad team because you like a team that wins is fundamentally insincere. Leaving a good team because a good team ceases being interesting to you, and the ups and downs emotionally of a team because it's a reality with the, the Warriors. I, I mean, I, I say this as a person who is—I I have Stockholm syndrome, for lack of a better term—or I am. Um, I, my growth as a fan has been retarded by being a Kings fan for so long. But I have to imagine up and into a point being a fan of the dubs gets boring. I think especially with basketball, like it doesn't seem like I was gonna say it doesn't seem like Patriots fans are ever bored, but that's also because New England fans are generally the most New England fans have to suffer through their very existence. Like I feel like everything in New England is suffering. I was out there for a funeral a few months ago and then the funeral was that's already inherently sad and it's snowing. And I was at like a Walmart, and they were, I, I walked past two conversations, and one was, listen, I told Tommy that's what's going to happen. She keeps doing that. She's going to die, and now she's dead. And this is like, <laughs> like the worst possible New England accent I could possibly do. Everything is so drab out there that I get that, and I love it out there, but I just feel like it, it's the sort of perpetual uh, Manchester by the seaness of being in New England. You sort of have to be excited for those teams at all possible times, but – with the Warriors, I do feel like like them being good perpetually, particularly them being pornographically good, week to week does get kind of dull, and you kind of want the excitement of of you don't over like to the degree to which we're all responsible for over analysis. When you like a good team, you don't really need to do it. You don't need to fixate on are yeah. we going to be able to sign Vujicic or is Patrick Beverly going to come here? So no, I don't. I think that that's totally reasonable, and I, I think the regional thing is also completely reasonable. I've actually gone to a bunch of Laker games and found myself to a point you know, sort of half cheering for them, you know, not whoa, really, whoa, but whoa, I'm whoa. there and I've gone to Dodger games. I'm not, a, I was never a Giants fan, so I don't feel 
as bad about that one. But, you know, when you're in the city that you're in and you, you want to partake in that city, I, there's no shame in. I mean, that's really where a lot of these bandwagon people come from, which I think is why it's upsetting with a team like the Warriors, because you get all these affluent people who move to the city because they want to get paid a bunch of money and they move all the people that are from there out. Um, and that's the, that's the frustration of uh, front running this, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, but I think from your standpoint, no, I, I think there's a lot of integrity to it to a point. Now, I, I think, although, see, I can, I'm the same way. Like, I will find myself paying attention to teams, like with college football. I'll find myself paying attention to a team when it's good and then not paying attention when it's bad. And that's kind of front running. I mean, you know, I don't, that's a really interesting and sort of complicated and, uh, I think kind of nuanced conversation depending on your attachments and allegiances to what you like. I always rationalize the college football thing because I went to a college that didn't have football and I enjoy it purely from like a, a recreational, it's just fun to have on on Saturday afternoons in the fall when I'm doing laundry because I live a very exciting life and <laughs> on Saturday afternoons what I'm doing is laundry. So and what do you guys think? Let me, well, let me pose this question to you uh, and we'll get your, get Brendan's opinion, Brendan's opinion here in a second, but uh, what did you guys think that I did at this Warriors Kings game in Oakland with my uh, family's uh, tickets there that I'd sat in as a Warriors fan a decade ago? What do you? I mean, who do you think I was repping at this game? And, and what oh, should I? Sure. have? You think so? It You're a contrarian, so absolutely, I think Kings. Yeah. Unless, I, unless this is your <laughs> last game at Oracle. No. So here's what I did, and it definitely was the coward's way out. I wore all black and I pretty much remained oh. silent. I just, I That's sat there. Trouble. I would have felt like a traitor either way. I just sat there and I made quiet comments like, oh, that was a nice pass. Just either, like, it didn't matter who. I was just like, oh, nice pass. Oh, that's a, oh, nice, nice play right there. Like you're in mourning. Well, like, uh, I mean, to be honest, like I'm uh, a reporter because I'll tell you, when you go to these, when you go to uh, uh, professional games, they tell you you cannot show expression. Like in the press box, you're not allowed to, yeah. to cheer. Right. That's so what's your t- that's actually the most responsible thing to do. So, <laughs> do you remember what there was that thing? So I know, and this is like a half story, but there there were a couple of playoff runs a couple of years ago, and it may have even been last year also, where there were a couple of guys who were from SAC that had gotten tickets, maybe not courtside, but first couple of rows that would wear. And this was like playoffs. This was like Western Conference Finals to even maybe finals. And they were wearing Kings gear the whole time. It went like viral in Sacramento because like it's what are you going to do? It's the playoffs. This team sucks. You got to be excited for something. So there are there are those that will do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I see. I get it. I, at least I brought a you know my uh, the second ticket. I brought a Kings fan with me, and he was very oh, enthusiastic. But uh, yeah, I, mean, I just would have felt I would have felt weird either way. I you know. I can say today that I'm a Kings fan. I, but you know, I, I guess at least I have that fallback of saying that I'm a Kings writer, and and I, I'll just hide behind that for now. So anyway, thank you for letting me get a bunch of. Thanks for letting me be the the star of my own show for a second. I'm sorry I'm such a poor interviewer and not putting the the spotlight enough on you today, Robbie. But I think you did a great job. Listen, there's no reason for me to be in the spotlight, particularly not in general. I would say, and when it's my, I turned 40 on leap year, February 29th. So I expect to be on the show around then, and then we can make it all about me. But until that happens, um, this spotlight should be on you. you got your birthday coming up. You've got the wedding. You were the viral star of uh, the King Summer. So there's uh, there's no reason for the spotlight not to be on you. 
Hey, and by the way, since we've been recording, I got that Marvin Bagley retweet. So, oh man, there we go. Oh, did you? What was the? What was the on that one on the uh, the ten thousand? Yeah, he, I guess he saw that, it. He, yeah, not dissimilar to Bagley season comes on late. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's good. We'll go out on that note. Thank you so much, um, Robbie. Is there anything you want to? Anything you want to plug or? Uh, uh, I don't think I have anything to plug. <laughs> uh, 